It's Cofield and Company. 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 Who puts y'all in charge of snack distribution? With Steve Cofield. Then I seen him. I seen Steve. And Adam Hill. Adam Hill is usually so fair, so reasonable. Uh, That's shocking to hear something like that from Adam Hill. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Fun. All right, here we go on a Friday. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. Busy day with the NFL draft <clears throat> on the way. A lot of draft stories to get into. NBA playoffs tonight. Uh, certainly following the NHL until VGK is back on the ice. We have some breaking news with Robin Leonard, we think. I, I don't know what's going on. We'll try to sort this out with Adam, who, uh, Adam Hill, who's all over the VGK scene. Let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. All right. NBA coming up tonight. We've got three games on tap as uh, Miami and Atlanta going at it. Again, uh, now we're getting the favorites in the series on the road and really short prices. So I'm wondering if anyone uh, in this room is going to bet these. Miami coming up at 4 o'clock at Atlanta, laying one and a half. Milwaukee, minus two and a half at Chicago without Chris Middleton. So that makes the series kind of interesting. And then Phoenix without Devin Booker, minus two at New Orleans. Do you want a taste of any of those dogs? New Orleans is is fairly interesting in in the sense of obviously no Booker and the way that they were able to book, to bounce back last game. But I don't even think it's it's just the injury or just the fact that New Orleans played well in game two. You watch game one, Phoenix blew them off the floor in the first half, just destroyed them. And it looked like, okay, well, this is probably heading for a sweep. This is how the series is going to go. And New Orleans was actually the better team in the second half of game one. They ended up losing, but they were the better team. Game two, they went on the road. And now, how does Phoenix respond going on the road uh, without Booker? I think that's that's a very interesting part of this. I think the Bucs will be fine without Middleton. I think they'll get through. Um, but the Suns are the one, I'm like, I think they're going to win the series. Yeah. I think. But this is a big game. Well, really this is the game. beginning of Phoenix having to face... Small lineups. Uh, everyone's going to try to get Aiden off the floor, take advantage of his size, or when uh, hashtag bumass is out there, um, force him to pay the price for being seven foot one. And that's really it's one of the big stories around the NBA. Obviously, Milwaukee has the guy who can play one through five, and you know you can try to play small against Giannis, but he plays like a small on defense, so he can you know he's not going to get destroyed by going to the perimeter. But a lot of these other teams that want to play more traditional big men. That's the test now, and I love it because I think that's the way college basketball is going. We've been talking about this the last few years. Obviously, Embiid and the Sixers—that's tested with Embiid. Like how you know how much does Embiid have to destroy you with forty and twenty huh. uh, before your small ball just can't overcome it by bombing a bunch of threes? And I think it's also why you know that the so-called death pool lineup that yep. the Warriors are throwing out on the floor. Like, yeah, it's fun and it's interesting, and you're like, okay, that's that's cool. But really, it's Phoenix. Hey, look what we're doing here. Look, look at this. You're going to have to deal with this at some point. And I think they're sending the message early. Uh, and now the, the Warriors, I think, are at least right there, if not more likely than the Suns. And now that, listen, I'm a Warriors fan, I'm going way back to the to the dark days. But 
Um, All of two years ago. Well, came from. I mean, I, I, I. You were picked, there at the depths. I picked an underdog that I thought had potential to rise up. I don't know how you saw it. I don't know how you saw this guy Curry and Thompson being decent and uh, Mr. Glue guy, know it all, Dr. Dre, Draymond Green. We didn't know anything about those guys at that point. I don't know. I, you're you're a basketball savant. Yeah, we, we. I mean, figured we'd get better, but you know, at the depths when the Chase Center first opened and it just looked dark, like dark days for the Warriors. Yes. All of a sudden, these guys come around and wow, look at this. Right near the top, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, I think, I think the playoffs have gotten even more interesting uh, with some of these injuries. I know people just want to see the star players all the time, and that's good. But I, I do think that the injuries have opened up some doors here that make it a little bit more, um, you know, intriguing here early in the rounds. Golden Knights are alive again, baby. You know, we've gone back and forth, kind of toggling with. Is it the Kings they have to catch, or is it the wildcard teams they have to catch? Now, the Kings have blown away from the Knights, but the wildcard teams have fallen back a little bit, and Knights weren't playing yesterday, but as you're watching the rest of the NHL, the Dallas game became, or was, vitally important, especially with the outcome. Yeah. Uh, Dallas kept answering Calgary, and it's one of those cases where, hey, Calgary's in your division, they're a rival, but you're cheering for them to actually play the way they played all season long. They had a chance to win the division last night, and... They score early, Dallas answers. They score again, Dallas answers. Score a third time, Dallas did not have an answer. Finally, Calgary puts it away, wins the division, and more importantly for the Golden Knights, gives the Golden Knights control of their own destiny, a term like you know we always hear in, uh, in other sports, but right now the Knights have it. Uh, right now, all they have to do is win out as long as the Dallas game isn't in overtime. If they win you know, that game, at least in regulation, the other three games they can win any way they want, and they are in the playoffs, which... Is really all you want. You know, the other day after um, after the loss to New Jersey, one of the things that everyone in that room said, including Pete DeBoer, uh, Alec Martinez, and other guys, they said, you know, we still have a chance, obviously, but this really sucks because we have to con- count on other people. Like, we, it doesn't matter if we win out. Other things have to happen still for this to still work out. And they don't have to worry about that anymore. Now they can, they can control their own destiny. Now... That means going 4-0, which, tall order. <laughs> yes. But, you know, they have San Jose at home, who they should beat. At Chicago is, Chicago's a mess. Dallas is the game. At Dallas is the big game. You have to win that in regulation, but that's a massive game. And then St. Louis, yes, but, you know, I, I saw some people talking today uh, on a I have of, man, that St. Louis game is going to be tough. Well, what will St. Louis have to play for at that point? Probably nothing. So maybe they throw everybody out there to try to keep the Knights out of the playoffs. I think that's one thing a lot of teams want to do is make sure this Knights team isn't in. But that should be a game where you at least have an advantage in terms of personnel that are on the ice. So go 4-0, including winning at Dallas in regulation, and you are in the playoffs, which is really all you can ask for at this point, the way that you've put yourself into this position. San Jose has been a pretty easy mark, although you you immediately start to think, of course, this could be where the long win streak ends. Sure, and that also right that San Jose with nothing to play for. Um, I don't. I have no idea where the rivalry is now. The Sharks have been just so bad. Oh, they looked awful last night too. But I, I'm sure that some of those guys would like to keep Pete DeBoer and the Knights out of the playoffs. I'm sure that would right? be good storyline. A huge motivation for them. Although, and I know people hated this. When we said at season one, like San Jose with three games left of the season coming to Vegas for the weekend. Are they going to be wanting to play? Really? They're playing out the string. 
Okay, well, the bigger story of the day is uh, Emily Kaplan reporting earlier. Robin Leonard is getting season-ending surgery, sources told ESPN. Leonard has battled back from a major knee injury he sustained in Philadelphia on March 8th. Wait, what? Major injury. There's been denial, and we've been hiding what's going on here or saying he's fine. We just heard the other night from Pete DeBoer. Robin Leonard is fresh and healthy. March 8th? March 8th? We're going on six freaking weeks. Emily Kaplan, he gave it all he could, but his body finally gave out. Okay. And then did we get a Pete DeBoer comment today? Again, I think these DeBoer comments are just loaded with either sarcasm or hidden messages. What did DeBoer say about this? So Pete DeBoer's quote was, he was asked if the report is true from ESPN. He said, not to my knowledge. It was a maintenance day today. I expect him at practice tomorrow, and I expect him dressed on Sunday. Okay, where are we here? So he's out for the season, and he's getting season-ending surgery? Not to my knowledge. Is that the key part? Are Maybe. we to read into this one that Pete DeBoer hasn't been told? Is this a statement like, I don't know. They don't tell me anything. Maybe. I'm not in control of anything here. Maybe. We started them the other night. I didn't want them to start. And then I went rogue and pulled them. And LT went in. Logan Thompson. What the hell is going on? Well, luckily for our listeners, we've been saying he hasn't looked right health-wise for weeks. I mean, huh? if you listen to this show. Well, if you listen to Frank Saravalli, one of the big NHL insiders, he called it weeks and weeks and weeks ago, and then Leonard was upstairs, wasn't he? Yeah. Busting chops on media people saying, I'm fine. So what is going on? Well, I, I think one thing is you when you are playing, you don't want people to know that you are hurt because you can be targeted in certain ways and – uh, you, so that would make some sense. Um, but if you remember at that time, the report was it was season ending. He wasn't going to be able to play. Hmm. Now, okay. he did try to fight his way back from that and play through it. And I, as we've been saying, he hasn't looked like he's been healthy. Now, I said the other night, two things. One, Pete DeBoer throwing him under the bus in the, hey, we pay him thing was very weird. And to go out of your way and say he's healthy and fresh when he clearly did not look like it, yep. was, to me, that was ridiculous. So now, but I also do like that now, when the reports come out that he's hurt, people are like, why are they lying to cover him? <laughs> like, no, watch the games. He doesn't look right. He's been hurt. So I, I don't know where the miscommunication is. I, I mean, I'm sure it's his agents <laughs> and people on his side leaking out he's very hurt. And the Knights trying to deny it because I'm sure that the Knights, who knows, are playing some kind of games with, you know, trying to trade them or whatever, whatever they want to do. I don't know. But it's pretty clear there's a there's a real lack of understanding. And it's pretty clear the Knights have wanted to attack him for a while now, which that's kind of their thing. <laughs> it's kind of their, hey, we're sick of Who's you. We're going to throw you under the bus. The Knights organization. Okay. So who knows? And Again, they're all they're all all the all the, the four powers that be are all aligned. Well, there's no I think to McCrimmon no, to McPhee to Foley. I think there's clear disconnect between everyone. So you're saying the Knights? You mean the organization, not DeBoer? 
I have no idea. I don't know who's saying what. I don't know why they're saying what. Sounded like you know last had some comments that were a little bit weird. Sounded like they were he was getting after Leonard. It seemed like DeBoer was annoyed with Leonard. Absolutely, from everything that he said, and Mm -hmm. it sounds like maybe he still is, and maybe he's maybe he's maybe he's sick of the back and forth. Is he hurt? Is he not hurt? I don't know. It sounded like from the beginning of this, Robert Leonard was hurt, but he wanted to play, and it was one of those things. You, I, I mean. You've been in sports long enough, like you've seen coaches who's, who treat injuries and things certain ways of like, if you're playing, you're playing and you're healthy. And if you're not, you're hurt, you're out. Like, sometimes that's not true. Sometimes there's a gray area of like, hey, I'm, I want to play through this. I'm trying to play through this, but I'm absolutely hurt. Like, there, sometimes that's the case. And you know, some coaches don't want to hear it. We, we know that. I don't know if that's what's going on. I have no, Nobody has any idea. Look, we're sitting here today. ESPN has reported Robin Leonard's out for the year. The team... Pete DeBoer is saying, no, he's not. Well, he said, not to my knowledge. He sure. didn't say, no, he's not. No, he the said, not to my I expect no- him to play the, Sunday. The not to my knowledge thing, I think, is really key. I expect him to be in, in user form Sunday. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it's crazy. 364 Let's give away a six-foot sub from Porta Subs. That's the uh, tailgate tray. You can get your own at 20-plus locations around Las Vegas. Uh, right now, Porta Subs is giving away free subs for a year. To three lucky winners, you just go up to their website, portasubs.com, and you can find out how to enter those sweepstakes. But right now, we got a six-foot sub, tailgate tray going out. Caller 7364-1100. Winner of the six-footer also qualifies to win a new Yeti cooler. 364-1100. It's all thanks to Porta Subs and our friends at Finley, Volvo, Las Vegas. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Traffic is sponsored by Porta Subs, home of the two-foot, celebrating 50 years as your neighborhood sandwich shop. Do you like this pick, Jordan Poole, uh, by the Warriors? Maybe the worst pick in the draft so far. There we go. Uh, and there's nothing against Jordan Poole. No offense, dude. I think the guy could be a rotation NBA player someday. Likely could have gotten as a, a as an undrafted free agent. So this is such an overdraft. Like, we talk about that Cam Johnson pick at number 11 being an overdraft. Uh, this is much more of an overdraft. But this is, uh, and this is an absolutely inexplicable pick by the Warriors. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Oops. Yeah, some CBS analyst, they never put his name up on that old video, but uh, not liking Jordan Poole, who was picked at the end of the first round. It actually is one of the more incredible picks in the last couple of years, and he also made sure to mention that Cam Johnson was a terrible pick uh, in the <laughs> top 15, and he's turned out to be a really good pick. So people miss all the time. Um, the crazy thing about draft breakdowns though and draft analysis is that he's not necessarily wrong. Like if he wouldn't have been drafted and you could have signed him after the draft, it's still right. a bad pick. Like if you, if Michael Jordan was going to be the 70th pick of the draft and you picked him 14, you made a bad pick. Don't, but, but don't they, because they drafted him, don't they have more control over him than as an unrestricted? If he was unrestricted, sure, that does they change. signed him. Wouldn't he make more money? Sure. That does, that does change. He a could make bit. more money. Sooner, and listen, lots of teams passed on Jordan Poole. I don't remember anyone raving about him at the time. They freaking yeah. they nailed it. He's perfect for their system. I don't, I have no idea what's going to happen with Wiseman. I mean, they clearly. <laughs> I'm not going to say clearly because he's so young. You know, you don't want to write off guys who are 19, 20, 21 years old. But Poole is added to that team. We just talked about you know the the death lineup, the death pool. It is completely ridiculous. And I saw a number thrown out there. By um, Malika Andrews' sister, who just got a gig with uh, ESPN Kendra, 
saying 43% of the Warriors' field goal attempts this series have been uncontested. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole have taken 61 of the team's 103 uncontested shots. I saw some reaction to that, like, you may want to cover them. No, that's the point. That's how well their offense works. Right. They're moving the ball so well that you can't contest their jumper because by the time it gets to whatever, the fourth or fifth pass, you're gassed and screwed. Right, you swing it swing it back and forth, and you can't you can't really help off anybody because any of them can shoot. So by the time you, you move the ball as well as they can with that lineup and everybody is able to make the next pass and make the extra pass, your defense is scrambling, and you can't cover everybody. So the Warriors were down a couple of points going to the fourth last night. They wound up winning 118-113. They're up 3-0 on the Nuggets. Now they've emerged at many books as the favorite to win the West, the favorite to win the title. I think that's a little quick, and I also think it's a little dangerous with a team that is minute-by-minute away from one of their star players going down for the playoffs. as has happened, seems like, every season, the last couple of seasons. Why are you trying to put this on us? I mean, it, there is there is a risk with Clay Thompson and Steph and Draymond Green. Draymond Green you know, may have a, a headache where he has to miss five games. You, you never know. Um, but it is fascinating the way things are developing. I think the other side is the Jokic passing is just insane. And I, I don't. I think there's a lot of people out there who don't understand that the MVP is a regular season award, not a postseason award. Right. Like they're not going to keep voting on this thing. And just because the Nuggets are caught in a bad matchup, they're still without one of their other really good players. I mean, the fact that they're down three nothing, in some ways, backs Jokic as the MVP that he dragged this group to the playoffs and still got the six seed. But it's a bad. It's a bad matchup for a team with. A true big, even though you know he, he faces the basket, he can't play defense against this lineup, especially when it goes super small. Well, I think that's that's what people are getting. Like you're you're right. I'm not fighting back on on your point that it's a regular season award and it's already decided. And what what who cares what happens in the postseason? But I think some of the lashback is maybe people that haven't watched all year for one thing. Mm-hmm. But you also get in and you're like, wait, how can that guy be the MVP if you really can't even use him? Like he's he's. Not a usable piece right now. Well, he's not a usable piece on defense. He's usable on offense, but his impact on offense, believe it or not, with 37 points and 18 rebounds, I guess is still not enough to overcome 5,000 threes the other way. But it it seems like really the only way that the Nuggets would even have a chance is to not have him on the floor. Like, because of the liability defensively and everything. And so, like, I'm sure people look at that and say, wait, how can a guy who is being this, you know, Embarrassed isn't the right word, but this overwhelmed. How can he be the MVP? What about those guys on that other team? Which is, there's many of them. There's several of them all working together. And for the most part right now, Jokic is on his own. I mean, it. I, I get both sides of the argument, but these games don't matter for the MVP race. It's the regular season race. That's what matters. I mean, it's tough right now to say Embiid, Embiid is not the MVP. Like Embiid looks like an, <laughs> looks like an MVP. Um, and Jokic doesn't, so I, I I kind of understand it from that perspective. But the, the, it's all done, like it's all it's over right now. It's almost like a you know next season saying, well that guy that guy stinks. Well last year was what the voting was on. It's it's over, it's done. It's the past, which is it's a totally different scenario than what people are trying to make it. It's crazy to try to keep up with a team that's hitting seventeen or eighteen threes in a game. Yeah, it's crazy. Like the Nuggets weren't bad, but they were still minus twenty one from three. <laughs> they had eleven threes. More than respectable. Sure. Not enough. Usually enough to win that that battle. <laughs> nope. Not against the Warriors. What the hell happened last night to the Wolves? We were talking about it on the air.
gigantic lead in the first half and it just completely flopped down the stretch, getting outscored 50-16. to 16, And now they trail 2-1. I mean, they're making the series a very dangerous series for Memphis, but that was a collapse. Yeah, and it didn't help that, you know, Carl Anthony Towns was talking a lot of trash on the sideline and they had one of those, you know, the the, the microphone picked up the, their conversation in the huddle and basically saying, I told everybody, I told the media, once they got back here, they were going to be in trouble. Um not the case. Uh, I mean, they were in trouble. They had them in trouble. They had them on the ropes, but didn't go down. And I saw one really interesting graphic, and, and pe- I think people overreact far too often to, you know, whether a coach doesn't call a timeout and how that could have changed momentum and changed what was going on in the game, those sorts of things, because I don't necessarily think it's the, you know, it's the be-all, end-all solution in a basketball game. But somebody showed, you know, three minutes left in the third quarter, a 21-point game, Minnesota's up and they have three timeouts left and then like five minutes left in the fourth quarter they're down and they still have three timeouts left (laughs) like never even tried uh, to do it but you know in the end like you get a TV timeout like three minutes in the third then you get a TV timeout for the end of the quarter and then you get one early in the fourth quarter like you you had breaks you had a chance to regroup to talk about it to try to figure things out and you didn't I don't know that calling another timeout was going to change anything in there but you know, th- there is a lot of finger pointing of, hey, you didn't even try anything, which is not necessarily true. I mean, there was three commercial breaks during that time. They just didn't get anything fixed, and they couldn't score. What are your Saturday duties for the paper? What are you doing? Uh, well, I'll probably be out of spring game. Okay, you will. Um, I'll be writing NFL stuff from there, but I want to sit in the press box and do that. UNLV Spring Game coming up. Spring Showcase. Free admission for fans starts up at 5 o'clock. You can get in the building at Allegiant at 4 o'clock. Scrimmage will go approximately 90 minutes. Free, 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 free. Free parking as well. Concessions will be open. Uh, attendees uh, to the game will have access to the Modelo Lounge and also uh, sideline seating. And as I mentioned, concessions will be available for purchase. 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Your first chance to see uh, the quarterbacks, the race. For the Rebels at the QB position, I don't know that Cam Friel is going to play because he was actually not throwing on Thursday. A uh, little maintenance time. Marcus Arroyo was saying that uh, the the right arm. You know, what are you well, doing? Well, I was stretching out the right arm, but this is this is the kind of thing that might happen when you get down to only three quarterbacks because Brumfield was gone for a week. All of a sudden, everyone's throwing more often. So Friel may not play, but you're going to get to see a lot of new players, a lot of uh, Power 5 transfers into the program, the race at running back. They've got a bunch of new big receivers out there. They've got some new contributors at linebacker, some edge rushers as well. Good stuff. 5 o'clock start tomorrow. It's the uh, UNLV Football Spring Showcase at Allegiant. 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Doors open at 4. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. I mean, he's just banging and banging and banging. When a guy's banging you, you don't you spin off of him. Those are the worst defenders to play against, actually, because if you can feel their body, uh, come on. 18 points for Joker, only nugget in double figures. 69-59, Golden State shooting 67 way out of order right now. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Yeah, Shaq, Kenny, Ernie cracking up when uh, Barkley was talking about when a guy's banging you. Um, Mostly Shaq. Yeah, he, he, got he, he just lost it. And then Barkley tried to ignore him, and he's like, come on, guys. <laughs> you know what I, I thought of, though? Because uh, we, we kind of dance around you know terms like that all the time, trying to come up with creative ways to say 
I don't feel like banging is used anymore, and that that's more of their generation. Oh, I think now it's, Shaq it's is there. actually younger than me, but <laughs> that's funny, right? <laughs> You're but so I, old. I know. Barkley's. I think Barkley's like four years old or something like that. Is that a word that that under thirties use now? I think it's out there. I mean, it's not the most common. Okay, it's used. I think they I mean, get it. I mean, I like. I like. Uh, I think they doink, get it. I like doink and stoop more. Yeah, that's, stoop that's, is a very old word. Those are definitely not used. Doink is not good. No. Okay. Well, those aren't out there. You're not supposed to make it obvious. There's supposed to be. That was the whole point with Barkley talking about some guy doing it. So. Well, but that's, that's not what he meant. He, what he, meant. Meant. he <laughs> actually meant in the post. Play, physical play in the physical post. Physical defense. Yes. Sure. Funny stuff. Those guys crack each other up. Um, is there any point on them uh, or for them to work next Christmas for no. the NBA? Because no one's watching. Yeah, NBA, is, NBA might just do a Christmas Eve showcase. Christmas is the NBA's day. But the way it falls this year, there's going to be NFL games on Christmas. Three! Three of them! By the way, did you guys post this? I'm sure. On the site at the RJ? Is it the number one story? I can tell you. Uh, I think actually the number one story, without looking yet, yeah. um, is the fact that the schedule is going to be released May 12th. Yep. Well, I mentioned the other day, there was all this Leonard stuff. By the way, you guys had a headline. Did Robin Leonard play his last game for the Knights? And I was like, what? Um, like three days ago. <laughs> one day early. That That day, yeah. That day, that was your header story on the website. The note... That the Hall of Fame game, here are the announcers for the Raiders and Jaguars, was your number one story. The announcers for the game was your number one story. Oh, That's you, how big the Raiders are. I was going to say, how do you know? You saw on the uh, on the most read Yeah, thing? most read thing on the side. You know, Melissa Stark and Tariko and Collinsworth. Click, 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 click. It's NFL. Ooh, it's Raiders. Upset. Really? The uh, what, what NFL Raiders story is up no, there? No. There was a big story. There was a huge story. The plane that just flipped over on the runway yesterday. From the really? Wind. It's outpacing the NFL? Oh, yeah. Big time today. I saw that. I didn't click on it, but I saw it. Yeah. I think it, I think it kind of uh, it went went viral. Would you a want a Christmas game for the Raiders? <laughs> oh, 100% yes. On you're, the road. you're very anti-Christmas guy. On the road. On the road. Yeah. Just get away from all of it. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah, I would love that. Mr. Holiday. I'm, I'm, I'm lobbying for that. Let's go. I mean, I don't want it as much as I want a road game F1 weekend. That's that's your ultimate goal, is to get the hell out of town yes. F1 weekend. Yes. My God, I you know, I got to post a picture. It's more for people around the country. Um, I drive up and down uh, Spring Mountain to Tween all the time. I pray right? for you. Well, it's a good way to go back. <laughs> for now, it's a good way to go back and kind of sneak to UNLV. And the the facilities, man. I was I was driving back from the east up Twain to Spring Mountain. The sphere is such an enormous presence, like it is just gigantic. And then I'm thinking again. You and I have been just fascinated with this F1 thing and the route it's going to take down Spring Mountain, around the sphere, back up to Koval, shoot down Koval to Harmon. It's just wacky. It is. And we've been off the air. We've talked about it a lot. Like the roads there, it's going to be crazy to get the roads done. Uh, yeah, it's, and and, it's and if they tried to, there's, there's, I mean, I would assume the NFL will cooperate. 
Yeah. It would be like $5,000 a night to get a room <laughs> yeah, if, the NFL, nice. if the Raiders are here as well. Like, uh, F1 weekend. Let's put the Chiefs here that weekend. Oh, my God. <laughs> like for a prime time game, Monday night football game. And this is two seasons from now. Yeah. Not next um, year. On a side, somewhat related note, um, I've. We've we've kind of joked around in the past about my close relationship with the Capitals organization. Uh, I was out with them the other night, oh, really? and they wanted to drive by the Sphere. They're like, "Oh, let's check that out." It's not. I mean, they it's, it, it's big. Did they, were they amazed? Went like what? Like, yeah. oh my, like they were like, "This is nuts." <laughs> it is crazy. And then one of the questions was, "Don't you guys have like nine arenas?" Yes. I was like, "Yeah, yes. we do. <laughs> we do. Yes." Well, I mean, and then if, I said, if Lywicky and Bidane get their arena done, then we've got. Yeah. Uh, what do we have? Basically, like six above twelve thousand seats. Well, that was the answer. Uh, they were like, "Oh, so you're definitely getting an NBA team?" And I was like, "Oh no, actually, they're building an NBA arena now. It's they're oh, just oh they thought it was going to go on the street." And, and then they were like, "Wait, wait, what? They're going to build another?" Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, yeah. we're getting another arena." Hey, you've already got the Thomas and Mac, which really is a little bit too old now, with eighteen thousand seats that could that could host the NBA. Yeah. T-Mobile, we all thought was built for the NBA. You've always said it's more of an NBA arena than a hockey arena. Oh yeah, but now yeah. you could have the the Lightwicky Bedane project going for the NBA. You've had uh, you know the fifteen year project talked about at Wet and Wild. Sphere's going to hold like seventeen thousand, not really for sports, but maybe it could be. It's preposterous. It's it's it it's is crazy, crazy. Uh, Path to draft coming up. We've got a couple of teams we want to cover today. Eighteenth pick is on the way. It's the Eagles. You know the Eagles did a great job of hosting the draft. I wonder if we can match them in terms of. The crowd enthusiasm. That place was completely nuts. And the Eagles, there should be a lot of Eagles fans out here. I hope they come out because they got two picks in the first round. So we're going to break it down with uh, Rhea Hughes from uh, WIP in Philadelphia. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. He went out to see Freddie Mitchell a week ago, okay? He liked the Philadelphia Eagles have like selected him. wide receiver from UCLA, Freddie Mitchell. Now, this is an interesting pick. A guy at UCLA who scares off some because of the way he might carry himself, shall we say. It's time for Cofield and Company's Path to the Draft. Well, that was a bad pick. Hmm. Freddie Mitchell has a much bigger name than his uh, production. In terms of what he delivered. Yeah. 25th pick in the first round of the Eagles. We've been playing a lot of uh, on our path to the draft. Well, all the teams have been playing a lot of botched first round picks. Uh, he finished his career with uh, 90 career catches. That's not good. As uh, a first rounder. Oh, in his, what, his second year he got 90? No. His career? Third year was his best year. 35 wow. catches, 498. Oof. Yeah. And he was, he was, I don't even know why he's such a target, but. Yeah, they just—he's really picked. Well, he was the one who said, "I'd like to thank my hands." Right? I know, but still, it's a good line. It's a great line. It's a good line. Rhea Hughes has been covering the uh, Eagles in the Philly scene for a while. Uh, WIP in Philadelphia. She's nice enough to join Steve and Adam out here in Vegas. How are you? Uh, okay, that was totally wrong because we've had way worse picks than Freddie Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, we uh, we you know we try to find we try to find the balance between uh, one that didn't turn That's out. That's not even the worst one, yeah. guys. Come uh, on. Oh, believe me, I'm a Jets fan. We the could play. Side? Yeah, we could we could play. Yeah, that, yeah not good. Come on, I, I you know. <laughs> Quite a history uh, for the Eagles. Are they going to be better <laughs> this year? I guess we'll just start there. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, uh, honestly, it's here's the thing: is the crazy thing about the Eagles is. 
if you get, you know, top 15, they're good. Get 15 past that, they're really horrible. <laughs> so, um, you know, so it's just, you know, it, it's funny. The reason I, I was making a joke about, about Freddie is the pick they had in 2019, the word came out today, uh, that's uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, is that he's going to move to a tight end. And we're going, okay, um, well, you sucked as a receiver. So, and, and honestly, a lot of teams missed after him. That was uh, D.K. Metcalf. I mean, you know, listen, we all know how great he is. So it's just the problem with the Eagles is they're, not, they're very good picking early. They're not very good picking late in the first round. So should they package the two picks and move up? Well, here, I was not surprised that they packaged one of them um, because, you know, we all know we're looking at this draft and it's not a quarterback-friendly draft. Although I will tell you this, the Eagles view themselves, and, and it's, and it's uh, Howie Roseman's comments, they view themselves as a quarterback factory. So I would not be shocked if they go for, you know, the kid from, from Pittsburgh, if they go for Malik Willis. I, I wouldn't be shocked, but I think that what they're doing is they're kind of hedging their bets. Trading that pick, pick for next year is they're going, all right, we're going to see what Jalen Hurts can do this year. And then if he's not good, we've allowed ourselves to look next year, which is you get the kid from Alabama, you get the kid from Ohio State. I think that's what they're looking at. What do you think of Hurts? Uh, well, here's, here's what I'll tell you is, <laughs> I think the best thing I can say about him is I'm not sold on him. Although, you know, all the stuff about, um, you know, Kyler Murray, I'm going, well, he was worse than, than Jalen Hurts was in the playoffs. There was only one quarterback who was worse, and it was him. So, uh, but he was also injured. I, I, I just, I don't think he's the guy. I don't think he's the franchise quarterback. So I think the Eagles are correct in flipping that pick the next year and then giving themselves some room that if they need to, they get the quarterback draft next year, which is where we think all the quarterbacks are. So they got 15 and 18 still remaining in the first round. Yes. Do they definitely get hurt some help at wide receiver? Well, if you look at Howie Roseman's record, he's really horrible at it. <laughs> so he picked, um, he picked, you know, he picked J.J. Ortega-Whitehead ahead of D.K. Metcalf. He picked Jalen Reger ahead of uh, Jefferson. Yep. So he's really bad at picking a receiver. So we want to recommend that he kind of stick with the Alabama guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, that guy's coming off an ACL tear. Um, really, I don't want I, – I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you give Jalen Hurts the weapons when you're not sure that he's the guy – or do you load up on defense? In my mind, I don't think that they think Jalen Hurts is a guy. I load up on defense. Hmm. So if, if you do load up on defense, I mean, where would you prioritize the needs? Uh, I, I've been... Well, here's, here's the needs. I'll tell you the needs is, and the Eagles haven't done it in like 30 years, <laughs> linebacker. Please draft a linebacker. That's what, you know, they have not done it in, you know, forever. They, they need line... They literally have never respected the linebacker position, ever. So, so it's funny. And that's what I think. 
It, it's funny you say that because I've been I've been mocking linebackers to them in every single mock draft that I've done, and I keep hearing from Eagles fans saying linebackers are overrated. We don't need a linebacker. We need a corner oh, and an edge okay. rusher. Okay, you're not talking to any Eagles fans that I know because <laughs> okay. we literally lose our minds that the Eagles do not prioritize that position. Okay, uh, you've got you know you've got a couple of choices. Nicobe Dean is a guy that I love. Nicobe Nicobe Dean is the guy that we literally would all lose our minds if we got. Okay, that's the guy that everybody wants. That's okay. I mean literally. You look at him. That's Georgia guy. That's what everybody wants. No, it, it's it's actually been a real sore spot with Eagles fans for I mean God. I mean I'm telling you, thirty years they have not drafted a linebacker in the first round for thirty years. It's a position that is necessary. The Eagles ignore it. They need it. Nicobe Dean would be a great guy. So let's say you get there's two top linebackers, Lloyd being another one, but let's say you get a yeah, linebacker. With, yeah, yeah. Let's say you get a linebacker I'd with one okay pick. I'd be okay with Lloyd, too. I'd be okay with Lloyd, too. Okay. Let's say you get a linebacker with one pick. Are, are we going edge rusher or corner with the other? They need both. Here's a, well, I don't think – I think edge rusher is a little less than what they need is corner. They, they've lost some guys in the secondary. So I would go secondary with them. That's where I think – I think what the Eagles should do is linebacker secondary. But, you know, the problem with the Eagles is they have tunnel vision when it comes to offense. Offense, 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 offense. And I get that's where the NFL is. But if you are rebuilding, if you flip that pick to next year with the view that you're probably going to go for the quarterback next year – if you don't believe in Jalen Hurts, then rebuild the defense. That's what I think they should do. So we are hosting the draft, of course. Uh, the draft has been in Philadelphia yes, before. Yep, yep. How how many Eagles fans should we expect, and how angry will they be? <laughs> okay. Well, number one, um, Eagles fans love to go to, to Vegas because it's fantastic. Sure. We all love it. Um and we're always angry. <laughs> so, I, mean, I mean, are you asking me if we're going to be angry? They're going to be angry with anybody they pick. Um, but I think they'll be okay if, if they go. Their fear is Howie Roseman does not know how to draft uh, wide receivers. If he drafts a wide receiver, they will be the first team to draft a wide receiver in the first round three straight years since Detroit. Mm. We all know Detroit is not exactly somebody you want to model yourself after. No. So uh, I, think what, I think what the Eagles fans would be happy with, if they're in the Vegas, and I know they will be, um, is I think they want to ha- load up on defense. That's what they want. They want a linebacker. Uh, you know, they want a corner. That's what they need. The, the, the preference is they load up on the defense. So how much did Nick Sirianni change the opinions of Eagles fans and the media from the first seven games and the remainder of the season? I will tell you this, where he, where he won them over, because he did not, was not winning them over early on, no. where he won them over is he realized his team was very good running the ball. So he ran the ball, and he ran the ball getting against really, let's be honest, terrible teams down the stretch. Um, but, you know, the, the, the goal is to get in the playoffs. He got them in the playoffs. Um, and he did it with a quarterback who, you know, frankly, is not the greatest passer in the world. So they real what they liked about Nick Sirianni is that he realized what kind of team he had, and he pivoted. So they did like that. Ray used WIP helping us uh, preview the Eagles draft. So you're not sold on Hertz. How much did you guys talk I- about Watson? All the guaranteed money he got. 
Would it have been smart for the Eagles to get into that race and pay them all that money and give up their picks and go with Deshaun Watson? Well, I will tell you this, um, and I was actually very proud of uh, Eagles fans. Nobody wanted them. Mm-hmm. They, just, they didn't want to deal with it. Listen, um, when the Eagles, you know, we, we have a history with getting guys who have, you know, kind of problems. Uh, Michael Vick. Uh, when Michael Vick came here, it was, it was a real problem for the whole fan base. Split myth. But I will say, in Michael Vick's case, he did everything that he needed to do. He, he fixed it. Everything was fine with him the way he presented himself. I, we don't have an answer in the Deshaun Watson case. We don't know what's going on with him, and no one wanted him here. So the Eagles fans were totally fine with him not coming here, which I was, like, really surprised at and impressed at the same time. They just went, you know what, we don't want to deal with that issue. If if there are questions about Hurts going forward, I guess how important yeah. how important is Gardner Minshew on the roster, and is there any belief in him? Because I was talking to an NFL guy last night who said, "Hey, if I was the Panthers, I would draft a tackle, but I would be trading for Gardner Minshew. That's who I'd want." Well, the most popular guy on every team is yeah. the backup quarterback. Sure. Oh, always uh, and always in always it, it always is. Hi, it always Denver. is. And you know, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you just say Kai Detmer? Yes, <laughs> uh, I did. Yeah. It, it always and listen. You know, Nick Foles won the Eagles a Super Bowl, so the most popular player is always the uh, backup guy. You know, listen, people like uh, Gardner Minshew. They like having him as a backup because if for uh, if Hurts falters, they think he's competent. So the Eagles don't want to listen. They'll give him up for a good draft pick, but they're happy to have him as a backup. Rio, we have one minute left off topic. I just wanted to get your uh, quick take on uh, Jay Wright. I'm sure everyone's shocked by it. Is everything okay with him? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. Uh, here's the thing is, uh, I'm a Temple fan. I'm, I'm, I'm born and raised. I went to Temple. What Jay Wright did was he completely screwed all of us in the Big Five <laughs> who hated every other team <laughs> because he's the classiest yeah, guy. Yeah. He's the nicest guy. Uh, I think he just – but I, I – I had this little nagging thing in the back of my head that he might go take a job with the Lakers. You know, the the Sixers would literally throw. Listen, the Sixers are not. None of us are thrilled. Although it's been good against uh, Toronto, we're not exactly the biggest Doc Rivers fans. So, um, so listen, we don't love it. But I just, I, I, I think he wants to just chill and relax and and retire for a couple of years. And he's earned it. Got two championships. You know, the Final Fours. You know he's he's earned the chance, to, but I I just I just don't see him not coaching. That's that's my my view. Bria, thank you so much for helping us on the preview, and a big fan of your work. Have a good weekend. All right, you got. It. Take care, guys. There you go. Thank Bria you. used WIP in Philadelphia. Boy, Jay Wright, the NBA stuff to me is just nuts. Would you do that? No. Lakers or or if Doc gets coaxed by the Lakers to go back West and then Jay Wright take over the Sixers. I just, for a guy that age, who's made that much money, who's a college basketball coach to try the NBA. What a giant pain in the ass that would be. Yeah, But what does he have left to prove in college? Like nothing. Just keep winning at the, at the highest level and try to win titles. I I don't think you, I mean, yeah, it's, it's probably comfortable and, you know, cool. And you can just go into retirement that way. But I'm sure that there's part of him that says, well, can I do this where, you know, somewhere else going to do this to the next level? I've accomplished everything I can possibly accomplish. What more is there for me?